Welcome to another episode of the First Generation Professionals podcast, where we celebrate the remarkable individuals who have broken through barriers and defied expectations in their professional journeys. I'm your host for this episode, Kayla Gerardo, and today we have the remarkable guest joining us, Jose Medina. They embody the attitude of a first-generation professional, someone who has forged their path to success while overcoming hurdles along the way. We'll dive deep into their experiences, thoughts, and the invaluable wisdom they've gained throughout their journey. I have no doubt that their story will leave you as inspired as it left me. Once again, grab your favorite beverage, get comfortable, and prepare to be inspired as we embark on a journey of resilience, determination, and triumph with our special guest, Jose Medina. Please provide a brief overview of your educational background and professional experience. Yeah, so I did my undergrad at Cal State Channel Islands in Camarillo, and that's where I majored in chemistry and minored in math. After that, I decided to go to grad school and I went to UCLA where I got a PhD in organic chemistry. After that, I went and did what is called a postdoc and that I did at the Scripps Research Institute in San Diego. And after about a year and a half of that, I got my first job in industry, which was at Amgen here in Thousand Oaks. And that's where I've been over the past five years or so, or almost five years. Oh, wow. It's been a while. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And how did you start your career and what motivated you to pursue this particular path? Right off high school, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And psychology actually sounded really interesting to me. So I decided to major in psychology. And after about a year and a half of that, I decided chemistry was probably a better fit for me. After taking the general chemistry class, I really liked that. So then I got involved in research at Cal State Channel Islands. And that's where I met one of my good mentors, Professor Hampton, Phil Hampton. And after doing research in his lab, is that is essentially what motivated me to go to grad school and do that whole thing. Nice. Mm-hmm. And did your background as a first-generation college student or just a first-generation student in general impact any of these choices and what specific factors played a role if they did? I would say, I don't know if it's a first generation thing or a cultural thing, but I really value being close to family. And so when I was deciding where to go to school, not just for undergrad, but grad school and where I ultimately ended up getting a job, one of my big priorities was staying close to family. And so that's one of the big reasons I chose Channel Islands and then UCLA, then Scripps and ultimately Amgen. So yeah, staying close to family has always been important to me. So I guess I would say, yeah, that's how that applies. Mm -hmm. Would you say you're like a big family person? Yeah. Yeah. I like spending time with my parents and we no longer live together, you know, pros and cons, but I like seeing them once every couple of weeks. And that would be really hard if I was all the way on the other side of the country or Mm -hmm. further away. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, even... Me moving freshman year, I w- I live in San Fernando, where I'm from, but I was homesick, like just to the things for like little food, you know, like yeah. dishes and going into the cafeteria and they're like, hi, Miha. And I was like, yeah. he's not <laughs> cooking. now. Yeah, cooking and the food is something I definitely took for granted. <laughs> oh, yeah. And now I have a kitchen and I'm always FaceTiming my dad and I'm like, is this chicken ready? Is this yeah. <laughs> Am I going to die if I eat this? Yeah. And my dad's been trying to teach me to cook and I've just always been reluctant to learn. <laughs> and, but now I kind of regret that decision. 
Oh, me too. I'm like, my dad's always like, get me a grill. I'm like, I'll get you whatever you want. You tell me the groceries, I'll get it. But I was the same way. I'm like, no, you just, you do your thing. <laughs> I was like, I'll eat it. So, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but regarding joining the workforce, how was your experience understanding organizational culture and immersing yourself in this new journey? Yeah. So starting at a big company like Amgen, um, you know, it's definitely a big Fortune 500 it's a large company. And a lot of what goes with that is a lot of set procedures and structures that are basically set in place in order to follow regulation, safety standards, and just overall for the best, I would say. But yeah, I mean, I feel like the culture can be a bit rigid in certain regards. Thankfully, my peer group there, just like I did in grad school and postdoc and undergrad, I was able to find a solid group of friends. And you know, that always makes everything easier. Transitions the day to day, just someone to like hang out with and talk, share the goods and the bad of the day, I guess. But yeah, joining a big company, I guess that was one of the bigger culture shocks, I guess, just how rigid certain things can be. And there was also a lot of learning I had to do, I guess, regarding software that we use. So we make a lot of compounds in medicinal chemistry. That's I'm a medicinal chemist. And in order to keep track of all this data, we use software that I hadn't been exposed to before. And learning how to use that was, I guess, another little hump that I had to overcome. But yeah, I guess those would be the biggest learning curves I guess I had to go through. Mm -hmm. I can imagine that can be very, very overwhelming, especially at a big company. Mm -hmm. Did you have any feelings of imposter syndrome while you were at that company? Yeah, but that did not start at the company. That probably started in grad school. At UCLA, I still remember the incoming class orientation day, right, for organic chemistry. I think there was about 35 of us. And at one point, we just all introduced ourselves and just said our name and what school we came from and what specialty we were going to focus on. And I still remember hearing classmates from Harvard and Princeton and all these big name schools. And that right away was like intimidating. And it definitely made me wonder if I really belonged or if I had gotten in as by mistake. And then, you know, time went by and I guess I realized that no, that wasn't really the case. A lot of us were struggling in different aspects of grad school. But again, by talking to peers and friends, it was clear that I wasn't the only one struggling. And, you know, the fact that I was able to pass all these exams and hurdles that you have to jump through to go to, through the program, I would say, you know, it became clear later on that I was not really an imposter, but I definitely started feeling that at UCLA, and then later on at Scripps, and then at Amgen. But, you know, there's little things that happen along the way that reassure you that, no, that's just kind of in my head. And you just have to sort of pay attention and look out for that. Yeah, I like how you mentioned like those mentorships and literally just talking about it just validates you wholeheartedly like, oh, okay, like I'm not alone. And it's just funny how like you automatically think, oh, was I admitted on accident? Like mm -hmm. it's no, like you did everything you were supposed to do. You mm. turned in the papers, but it's just, we automatically think like, oh no, like I can't be here. Because yeah. Easy. 
yeah the second i guess yeah things get a little too hard it's easy for those feelings to creep up but again then you talk to people around you and it becomes clear that no you're not the only one struggling it's hard for a lot of people so and do you feel as if you were equipped with the appropriate resources to succeed in life after university yeah yeah i would say in general so not just chemistry but a lot of sciences and you know other majors other things that people do in college i feel like there is probably a lot of critical thinking and problem solving that you undertake maybe not in every class but hopefully some and yeah i would say um, I'm definitely glad I went to college and got an education and it's got me to where I'm at today. And yeah, I can't complain. And if possible, can you touch base on any specific resources that helped you? So definitely, again, the peer group, you know, really important for shooting ideas back and forth when it comes to chemistry itself, like the technical aspect of what we do, but also sometimes just big picture things that are going on in our lives, mentors who are, I guess, who you might not call like exactly a friend, but you know, someone maybe several years ahead of you who can sort of guide you through a career path. I've had a couple of those along the way. Again, at Channel Islands, UCLA and Scripps. So one of my, my, one of my bigger mentors, the guy I worked for as a grad student, his name was Neil Garg. I worked in his lab under his mentorship for five years. So he's definitely a good, he's been a good resource since I started in his lab up until now. Yeah, I definitely lucky to um, have gone through his lab and met the people that I have because of that connection. And then the guy I worked for as a postdoc in San Diego, Kiri Engel, again, same great resource. Someone who was a bit younger in their career or like earlier on, when I started in his lab, he did not have tenure yet. He was a brand new professor, pretty much. But again, also great resource. So yeah, peers and mentors. So. It seems like you did a lot of networking. Did it seem like, did it come fairly easy to you, like in the STEM field when it came to like making those connections? Yeah, through the formal ways of getting into labs and applying to get into these labs through email or through paper applications. I guess for me, it was fairly straightforward. What I've always had an issue with is, I guess, so say I'm at a conference, approaching some of these professors who I don't know directly, who might be presenting a, a poster or be given a talk on a certain topic. You know, sometimes, so some of these people are just clearly busy and a lot of people are trying to talk to them and it can be hard to get to them. But it's always been intimidating for me if I feel like, oh, I don't really have anything to say other than my name is Jose and I like what you do. Yeah, I guess I don't want to feel like I'm wasting their time. So I guess in person, if I feel like I don't really have much to say, that can be intimidating for me to just go in and start a conversation. I should probably work on, but through the formal channels of getting into a lab, and moving on to the next stage of their career. I feel like that's a lot through applications or emails. And that is a bit easier for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always a little less intimidating virtually. It's always mm -hmm. saying, hi, my name is Kayla and this is my major and this is what I want to do. Because like 
what exactly do you say? Like you said, like, what is like the first steps? And it's like, oh, like that was it. Like, thank yeah, you. Yeah. How do, how do I grab their attention? How do I make them, yeah, want to talk to me, I guess. And not only that, but also make an impression too. Because mm-hmm. like, I want my face and my name to be lingering. So if they have yeah. another project that they can think of, oh, I remember that one time. Yeah. And then there's the pressure of the whole, oh, first impressions are really important. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's it's just funny how we overthink like these little interactions because <laughs> they're human too, but it's just like, how do we even approach it? Yeah. And can you just go a little bit more depth into how you establish these meaningful relationships with peers, faculties, and professionals? Yeah. So let's say starting from undergrad, I remember before starting in Professor Hampton's lab, I had taken his organic chemistry one class and I did well, and that made a good impression. So that made it easier to approach him after one of his classes and ask him if he had room in his lab for another student who wanted to get experience doing experiments. Different than the experiments you would do, say, in organic chemistry lab, the lab that goes along with the class, this type of research is a little bit different. So I was able to get that experience with him. So for that, I think I just approached him after one of the classes and he saw that, or he thought that I was a good student and, you know, allowed me to join his lab. Then for grad school, yeah, I mean, after I was admitted, you sort of look through a list of professors and the type of research they do and how productive they are and what kind of culture they've established in their labs and you determine which ones you'd like to work for uh, based on all those things. And so after I looked at all those variables, I approached a couple of professors and Neil was one of the ones that, you know, had room in his lab at the time and was able to offer me a spot. So once I was in, you know, it's just a matter of being productive trying to get experiments to work. Sometimes they don't, and that can be a little stressful, But, you know, a lot of professors, as long as they see that you're trying, sometimes the chemistry just doesn't work and you try something else. So, yeah, that's how I made that connection. And through the work I did in his lab, you know, you build up a resume and then you apply for these postdoctoral positions afterwards. And uh, I ended up looking at professors of, uh, again, around the area, I would say, because being close to family was important to me. So I looked at the Scripps Research Institute and a lot of faculty members there had exciting uh, programs. And I was interested in doing some catalysis. And that's how I got into um, Kiri Engel's lab after applying. As a first generation college student and a professional, you have to go through many challenges that your peers do not have to go through. Some examples like for first generation college students being applying for FAFSA. Most of the time, some students have to apply for their FAFSA by themselves and they're asking their parents, what is a W-2 form? And sometimes some first generation professionals figure out you can negotiate a salary. And what does that even look like? Do you have any of those like specific instances that you want to touch base on? Well, I think you actually basically covered it. So both of my parents do have college degrees, bachelor degrees, but they are actually from back in our home country, which is Peru. 
So they really didn't know how to navigate the whole school system here in the US. So they were supportive in me going to school, but as far as how to go about it, you know, I sort of had to use my own resources and just mentors that I met through school, but who had gone through that before and were able to send me more or less in the right direction. And that's who I basically had to rely on. Again, also peers and group of friends, just people around me that were trying to do the same thing, being around them helped too. But yeah, I guess that one was a fairly easy one to get through with mentorship from people from school and also friends. So thankfully, I didn't feel like, oh, because my parents haven't done this, it's going to be really, really hard for me. That would have been the case had I not had the peers and the mentors outside of my parents. I also like how there's just different types of first-generation college Mm -hmm. students, because like you said, you are a different type of first-generation college student, because your parents have degrees, but it's from Mm -hmm. a different country. But it's still that barrier that you still have compared to your peers. Yeah. It's still one big identity, but then there's like multiple identities within it. Yeah, subtypes. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Exactly. So with that being said, what does a first-generation professional mean to you? I would say pretty proud of the accomplishment. So I have two younger brothers. I don't think I ever felt pressure as an older brother to, you know, show them what they should do. But, you know, the fact that I went through school and got as far as I did, I like to think they were looking at that and Whether I was at the forefront of their mind or in the back of their mind, you know, hopefully they felt like, oh, if I was able to do it, they could too. They both ended up doing engineering and have already graduated. They're only three and six years younger than me. Yeah, they're both now out of school. They both chose engineering as opposed to chemistry. And But yeah, I mean, my parents and I are both very happy with what they've been able to do and have set up their own careers also. So yeah, I would say I'm proud I was able to do what I did. Hopefully it impacted my brothers in a good way. And hopefully it impacts, you know, other people too. So. Nice. I love that. <laughs> How yeah. has education influenced your worldview, critical thinking skills, and personal growth? Yeah. So I guess what jumps to mind, just I guess being a chemist who now works at a company who needs to bring in materials for us to be able to do chemistry and do our jobs. You know, we need different chemicals that are made potentially not even in the U.S. Some of the chemicals we order are made in India, China, different parts of the world. So supply chain has become, you know, sort of like a current topic, how certain aspects or things going on in the world can affect whether you can get what you need to do your research. So that's been pretty clear recently. Just the fact that we are in a global market, a global economy, we're all sort of like interconnected and what happens somewhere else can have an impact here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That is, I guess, what jumps to mind. Thank you. (laughs) And how did your experience as a first gem STEM student shape your understanding of your own identity and cultural heritage? Yeah. So I know there are, and, you know, thankfully, I feel like over time, we're sort of trending in the right direction. But especially when I started grad school, 
yeah, I guess I was one of the very few Hispanic graduate students. And I don't know if that's because of a lack of motivation from people's families, not supporting that they go to school or pursue higher education or just opportunities or knowing what's out there. But I did feel that, you know, not a lot of Hispanic chemistry grad students. There are others, but not a lot, or at least I wasn't exposed to a lot of them. So yeah, I guess being a minority, but again, right, like thankfully through a solid group of friends, peers, mentors, I've never really felt like there was a barrier that I clearly was just unsurmountable and just like, oh man, how am I going to get through that? And being a first generation professional, that's not something that is doable for me. A lot of the times, right, like things get tough as far as understanding certain concepts or getting certain results. There is time pressures and that can stress people out and that can make you feel like, oh man, like, am I really cut out for this? But then again, you realize that other people are going through the same thing. So it's not just like a first generation professional thing. It's sort of difficult for other people who uh, have parents who have been professionals and of all different sorts of background. And yeah, I feel like maybe that whole first generation thing might be almost like a um a crutch yeah but just a mental one mm -hmm. i guess is what i'm trying to say because yeah at times things get tough but other people are also having a difficult time if that makes sense again through the peer group you know you realize other people are struggling too and you just do your best and hope that that's good enough <laughs> Yeah, that's all you can do, really. Yeah. I would say that was like, I don't want to say your sole motivation was like your mentorships and just like reminding yourself that everyone else is going through it. But did you have any like ways to like make you just like stay on track and just like have that positive mindset? Because at least for me, it's just, I don't know if this is the right mindset, but like I don't have a choice. Like I mm -hmm. just, like I got to get it done. Like it is what it is. Things that keep me motivated is just like, okay, well, I'm a very like family oriented person as well, where it's mm -hmm. like my parents, like they're working their butts off for me. Like yeah. what I can do is sit in class, you know, yeah. go to do what I got to do and yeah. just trying. And that's just like my attitude. Like, I don't understand people who are like, oh, I'm like, I'm just not going to go to class. And especially like when their parents are paying for it, mm. you just take advantage of it. Yeah. There's um, definitely like a an element of pride that comes with being able to grind and put in the hard work and, you know, come home after a long day and be tired. And instead of taking a nap, you know, keep on studying or go to work or go to the gym and like, yeah, that grind, there is an element of pride that goes there. And at the end of the day, once you do the hard work, you feel pretty good. That was probably one of the things that kept me going. I guess you just have to be careful with how sustainable that is, I guess, like long-term versus short-term, you know, you want to make sure you're not, yeah, I guess pushing yourself so, so hard to the point where you break. Because mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I've seen some people do that, but um, yeah, I mean, you have to be able to push hard and work hard and hustle, I guess, but also make sure you're treating or taking care of yourself mentally, physically, eating good, getting rest and all that, that is important too. 
And also like doing it for the right reasons. Cause I found myself that way too. Like I was just like, okay, I gotta get it done. Like that's how I was in high school. I was like, all right, we're just, we just have to do it. And then I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm just burnt out. Mm -hmm. I found, I was like, okay, well, this is a goal. Like I want to go into this field. This is my plan. And I still have like that motivation of, like you said, like pride, like I am doing this because I'm proud of my family and I want them to be proud of me and just, Mm -hmm of all of my accomplishments because they're not only my accomplishments, but I leave their, my family accomplishments yeah. as well because they've pushed me and, you know, like while I was homesick, they were putting up with yeah. my late night calls. And yeah. Part just, of who you are is definitely, yeah, it's been influenced by them. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little teamwork. Exactly. So how did your family and community react to your decision to pursue STEM major? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were very supportive. Um, thankfully, And I feel like no matter what I would have chosen, they probably would have had an opinion no matter what. But, you know, outwardly, what I saw was just, yeah, great. You know, they were supportive. So, yeah, I was lucky in that regard because some people's parents can be overly opinionated and not very sensitive in how they come out with those opinions. But thankfully for me, again, my parents were just like supportive and I feel like they both have a good head on their shoulders I don't think they've ever been once to overstep even when we were younger so yeah good parents since (laughs) since they both got their degrees did you feel like that was like always the plan I'm gonna get my degree and like this is this yeah yeah they didn't you know bury us with this They, they weren't telling us oh you have to do this all the time but yeah based on some conversations we had you know at the dinner table, let's say, it was almost implied that that was the path. Unless we came up with a better one, which we did not, you know, it was just almost implied that, oh yeah, after high school, we graduate and then we go to college. And what were your parents' degrees in, if you don't mind me asking? My dad is in business and my mom was in agricultural science, I wanna say. Yeah, food and agricultural science. So they were like, when you were going into STEM, they were like, okay. Like they didn't feel it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then did you have any mentors or role models within your family that you looked up to? Well, let's see. So my parents immediately, right? Like hardworking, not direct role models in that, oh, my parents are not both scientists at the moment, but role models in that, you know, they work hard. They sacrificed a lot for me and my brothers from moving us from our home country to here for more better opportunities. All of that, yeah, just like the sacrifice and being willing to sacrifice is the right word for take away from yourself and like a better life for you so your children can have something better. And I understand it. I don't have kids yet, but um, I feel like I understand that driving force and I'm just glad my parents had it too so role models definitely my parents I know you mentioned pride um but did you ever feel a sense of pressure especially being the oldest as you mentioned maybe not social pressure but pressure from the classes and like oh man I have to take this quiz or this exam and I barely understand the concept have to go and read the book and then even then that might not be very clear 
so yeah maybe pressure from the field i chose i guess not being super easy for me to understand right away a lot of the times and did you have any big financial impacts or like any particular things that would go into your way that would impact your decision to pursue college so yeah um i actually ended up so as i was going to college i was tutoring at the time and i was able to basically take the money i earned through that um i would tutor throughout the year and basically by the end of a particular quarter i would have enough saved up to pay for the next or semester i guess at channel islands we were on the semester system my dad helped me pay for the first semester of my first year and then after that it was on me so i was able to basically yeah tutor enough to the point where i was able to save enough money and then i had enough to pay for my books and the tuition for the next semester so that is something that I had to do that I guess a lot of people don't have to go through, especially in this country. But thankfully, right, the Cal States are a blessing because I don't know what tuition is looking like now, but I remember when I started, it was about $2,000 a semester. But even within the four, four and a half years I was there, my last semester was like $3,000. So I saw the price increase within those four years. I have no idea what tuition is now or how feasible that would be. But thankfully, with those prices, I was able to make it. So thankfully. That also impacted my decision as well. I was remembered like the UCs and then I saw the price and then the privates. And then yeah. And I was like, a Cal State. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to need some good scholarships if you don't oh. want to take on a lot of those student loans. Yeah, but what made me feel better is the class sizes at CI. It almost makes it feel like it's a little private a school. Private school. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, okay, like this is perfect. Because the whole reason I actually got this position was just going to class and just actively engaging. And my professor was like, I think you'd be really good for this project. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, good opportunity. <laughs> exactly. But with that being said, were there any scholarships, grants, financial aid opportunities specifically available to you? Um, at the time, I would say no. And a lot of that had to do with me being a very average high school student and applying to colleges pretty much at the last minute. I do remember in my senior year high school English class, And, you know, this wasn't meant to pressure students as opposed to make students feel good, I assume. But in the wall, there was this big sheet of paper where students would write their name and what college they were going to. And I just remember seeing that large piece of paper on the wall getting filled like day by day. All these students knew exactly where they were going to go. And I was like, oh, man, they already started applying like they already got accepted and I hadn't yet. So yeah, I mean, a a lot of it revolved around me being a very average student and sort of not doing that as quickly as I should have. (laughs) Yeah, so I just got in and then my dad helped pay for the first semester and then I was like busy enough with classes and then I just paid the rest of it myself. Did you apply to any other schools besides CI? I did, again, a local one. Um, You might have heard of Cal Lutheran. It's in Thousand Oaks. And I did get in. 
but okay i also don't know what their tuition is like now but even with a scholarship i think it was gonna run me about five thousand dollars a semester and i don't even remember if that was guaranteed for the four years but automatically like the price tag the cal state was less than half and something i could do without help so just no questions like i just went to the cal state yeah it's probably you had to like maintain your gpa or something mm-hmm. like that. i remember yeah. receiving something similar i'm like this is not a lick of the tuition <laughs> yeah and then you, know, you talked about mentoring like mentorships and having those relationships with professors and professionals as well but have mm-hmm. you had the opportunity to mentor or support um students or professionals i guess along the way i mentored a couple when i was in grad school a couple undergraduate students who also wanted to be who also wanted to get an experience in the lab and uh, sometimes these professors as a grad student pair you up with an undergrad and you're supposed to basically take them under your wing and show them how to run experiments how to analyze reactions how to determine if reactions are done how to purify reactions and that sort of thing um so in a scientific way i feel like yeah to a certain extent nothing like for other you know underserved communities i haven't really gotten out of my way to do that but it would be good to learn about those opportunities because it would be awesome to get involved and what advice would you give to students or professionals who may share the same experience as you Mm. so yeah i would say definitely don't be afraid to grind and work hard um, for particular goals but it's a balancing act between that and taking care of yourself So uh, you always have to make sure, you know, you're eating healthy, working out, getting enough sleep, um, try to keep some sort of hobby you enjoy, just to not make life too dull. But when it comes time to work, yeah, I mean, you have to work. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't know, work hard, play hard, I guess it's like one of the phrases people use. Yeah, Um, there's a time and a place. But also rest. (laughs) Yeah, that's also healthy and good. For your longevity. And what is your hobby that you do that keeps you sane through all of this? Uh, At the moment, I go to the gym a lot and uh, hang out with my cats. (laughs) Uh, How many cats do you have? Two. Ah, what are the names? Aurora and Ramba. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I try to do some sports here and there too. Wow. What kind of sports? Uh, Basketball. Hmm. Any other sports? I used to play soccer, but not anymore. Uh, I also used to skateboard, but not anymore. I'm too old for that now. (laughs) Yeah, you got a lot of of tricks up your sleeve. I could not balance on a skateboard to save my life, (laughs) but I can't even stand still on it. Oh, (laughs) yeah, you you can learn. (laughs) Yeah, definitely have to be consistent with it, but it seems like you have a lot on your plate what like keeps you grounded and makes you consistent through all of this like what keeps you organized uh I would say knowing that you know you go to work you put in you know you do your best essentially within the time you're supposed to be working but then you know when the day is over you're gonna go home you're gonna eat nice food you're gonna relax on the couch you're gonna hang out with your cats um uh, <laughs> You're going to go to the gym and you're going to do all these other things that you also like, hopefully, in addition to your work. 
yeah, I mean, we're all busy, but that's why I feel like it's important to have different things that just sort of like keep you stimulated in different ways than just one thing. Because yeah, for a lot of people, myself included, that would just be maybe a little too boring. Just that variety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's always nice to like have something to look forward to on, like on the calendar, like always yeah. have something that like keeps you saying like, okay, like I'm going through all of this, but I'm going to go to this trip or I'm going to go mm-hmm. this or do whatever, or go to that. Like, at least that's how I am. I'm like, cause you know, college student, you gotta, you gotta be tight with your money. So I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to eat out at the end of this week. And I'm yeah, that's a treat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Just there you go. Looking forward to those little things. Yeah. But if you can give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? Don't worry too much about the future. It's going to be okay. Which is probably advice I should take right now. Yeah, I think everything's going to work out. So it's Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, yeah. And I've made the decisions that have led me to here. And, you know, hopefully I'll just keep making good decisions as the situation arises or arise <laughs> yeah. yeah I love like it's 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 so simple but it's like so hard at the same time and like you yeah, said when you're going through it you just have to remind like because I it's so it's easier said than done like, yeah was that easier said than done because my friends love to come to me for advice but will I take it for myself sometimes no it's just <laughs> <laughs> but As we leave our listeners, if your journey as a first-generation student and professional can be captured in one song, what anthem would you choose to represent the triumphs, challenges, and perseverance that define your remarkable story? Oh, like with a song? Mm -hmm. Also, feel free to take your time, because if anything, I think this is the hardest question that I've asked. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think I have a good one on the spot, (laughs) to be honest. Take your time or or maybe just a song that you've, you know, maybe been listening to recently that just gets you going to work and you're like, you know, what? I'm gonna put this on and it's just my, you know, like everyone has like a niche little song that they like. Yeah, or- for me it switches from time to time. Oh yeah, I'm very indecisive too. And I always uh, overplay songs, which is my problem. Yeah, I guess. The bands I've been listening to lately. You can give me a top three, top two. Okay, I'll, the top three bands, I okay. guess. Motorhead, mm-hmm. David Bowie, mm-hmm. and Joy Division. But as far as like any of their songs that I particularly relate to like this, I don't know. <laughs> you can just give me, well, what's would you say you had to pick one artist out of those three? Like you can only listen for the rest of your life. Which one would you choose? Ooh, depends on my mood. But uh, okay, <laughs> Bowie. Yeah, because yeah, David Bowie. Okay, and what's a nonstop David Bowie song that you always have, like just going? Rock and Roll Suicide. Okay, I've never heard of it, but I feel like that could that could. I fit. give it a listen. That could fit. Well, de- I'll definitely give it a listen after this. Yeah, actually, I I like that answer. Yeah. Rock and even roll for suicide. the original question, even for the original question, rock and roll suicide. Perfect. It worked out. See everything. Yeah, it just worked out. <laughs> gotta go through the motions sometimes. Yeah. 
We appreciate you taking the time to tune into this episode of the First Generation Professionals podcast. Jose shows us that perseverance, hard work, and a strong support system can propel anyone, regardless of their background, to overcome difficulties and achieve their goals. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to our podcast, leaving a comment, and sharing it with your friends and colleagues. Together, we can continue to celebrate the remarkable stories of first-generation professionals who paved the way for future generations. Remember, you too have the power to break barriers and shatter stereotypes in your own journey. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, keep striving for excellence and embracing your unique path to success.